In the front of your uh, songbook, there is a prayer that we pray together as we open in Ecclesiastes. And we're going to pray this together, and if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. That's where we'll be today. But if you guys will pray this prayer with me, and then I'll read the scripture and we'll get into it. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes 8, 1-9 through Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's troubles lie heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness Deliver those who are given to it. All this I observe while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. So uh, this has actually been one of the more difficult texts that I've ever had to preach on. And, and it, there's, in some ways, uh, it's easy because I like to, um, uh, I think, through Psalms and through Revelations, when we preach through those, and now through Ecclesiastes, I think we can we can simply say something like, um, uh, "I don't like government because their power far exceeds what it should." Right, and I, I feel like I, I could go there, but that's that that's not necessarily the heart of this. But as we come to this, I'll ask you a question: Who here is wise? No one wants to raise their hand. I love it. That's funny. Because I think that you guys, don't be shy. Don't be shy about this. How many of you think that you have wisdom in one area or another? Maybe not in everything, but in some things. Yeah? Okay, let's, let's be honest. There are times when we shine with wisdom and understanding, isn't there? Not complete wisdom. I'm okay. Like, I'm, I'm reserving some leeway there. And since we are in Ecclesiastes... And in this reading, or in the reading, or maybe throughout the entire book, have you ever felt wiser than the preacher of this book? Anybody? No one wants to raise their hands there, right? There are moments, and um, there are moments that I have actually felt wiser than the reader or the preacher of this book. I'll give you one example. I don't have um, wives that number in the hundreds and uh, as well as a harem of concubines. In that, I feel wiser than Solomon. I feel wiser, at least in this one area, than, uh, than him. And here we are. We are in this book. We are seeking the wisdom of God's kingdom. 
right? God's kingdom to, to come on heaven as it is on earth. And we are striving to walk in this world in ways that God would have for us. And so we open the scriptures and take a peek. And often it's hard to know what direction to go. And it's hard to know who to trust, when to trust them, and this kind of thing, isn't it? Like we're all there and we all want wisdom, don't we? In fact, wisdom, we all want sound judgment. We want to make right decisions on which way we need to go. We would love good principles in our life to guide us and lead us. And we need a certain amount of knowledge just to get through life, just to get through the next day. And we want this for ourselves, and we'd like to see wisdom from others, like our leaders, right? Like from the local level all the way up from our police officers. And so when I say local level, I'm talking about like police officers from the lowliest of traffic people to the detectives to our our um, city representatives and our county-wide representatives all the way up to our governor and our legislature and our president. We want them to have a wisdom, don't we? In fact, Scripture encourages us to pray that they might have it. I'm not saying that they do all the time. I'm just saying that we get to pray for that and we get to see this from our leaders and we get to kind of have this expectation that they'll be wise in their decision-making. And you think about this, even in our churches, we expect a certain amount of leadership and our not leadership, but wisdom when we when we come to church and we um, have we expect uh, leadership in our home and wisdom in our home, not only when we're home, but also when we travel. And it would be nice if leadership had a fair amount of wisdom, wouldn't it? Amen. It would be nice. This text asks us today, who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing, right? And I love that it says a thing because you can put anything you want there and it's like, who can, who can do this? And this is a question that we get to ponder today. And I hope that we know as we ponder this question that it's a rhetorical uh, uh, question, that the answer is no one is wise or at least is fully wise in all the ways But there are some that are wiser than others. And there are some that are wise in certain areas and foolish in others. None of us has all the wisdom. No ruler, no leader, no one has all the wisdom. Many suggest that wisdom is like a roadmap for life. That if we follow wisdom perfectly, we will all be healthy, wealthy, and wise. There are leading uh, principles that some people have figured out that works for them. And then in our culture, what they do is they package them up and they sell it as wisdom to the masses as if it should work the same way for you if you just work these things. It should work the same way for you as it does for others. There are times when packaged wisdom is actually wise for certain individuals. But there are times when it is foolish to follow others' advice as well in this. To... to, uh, To gain and live out of wisdom is not an easy task. We are always lacking a little bit, aren't we? Like, I mean, it's just something that that is there. And I have a general distrust. I mean, you could put a period on that sentence. But but especially for somebody who says, um, I have a lot of wisdom in this area. Especially when they are letting you know that, hey, you can come to me. 
I am wise and I can lay it all out for you. And you can have some of this wisdom if you just touch my cloak or whatever it may be. That's just an exaggeration. But that if we follow the ways that they have for us, that we will gain the wisdom in some sort of transfer from them. But I also think it is good and right and humble to go to those who seem wiser than us and consider their ways and see if they might work for us. We know our context for our lives better than others and what may work and what may not work. And we all have this desire within us to live a little bit better, to do better things, uh, to, do, uh, to do better than this nagging feeling that we have that we don't have enough knowledge or wisdom or skills or etc. And if we just get a little more, then maybe we'll really know how to live. And yet we get to be content with where God has us. And I would argue this, that wisdom is helpful. 100% this whole book is about wisdom. Wisdom is helpful. But I don't think uh, it's necessarily a, a roadmap in the way that we are taught wisdom today. It'll be certainly helpful for a journey, but a man's wisdom makes his face shine. And shining in scripture is always a good thing. It's a, well, not the shining idols. Those are bad things. But the shining faces are good things. What this says is that a man's wisdom makes his face shine. And this is a good thing. This is one who is seen and knows and one that is illuminated by wisdom. And the path is a little less dark than it once was. To live in wisdom is a helpful place. Sometimes when we think we have all the wisdom that we need, like, oh, I've got this. I, I have all the wisdom and knowledge. We overstep our bounds. And there are times when we um, feel or think or at least act like we're wiser than God. And we, we do this as humanity. We have a tendency to, as one commentator put it, to overstep one's bounds with God into knowing exactly how to do things, exactly this is how you do it. And we don't, in that sense, uh, we no longer live as if we need God's wisdom and we don't need to seek it. But the truth is, is that we do because so much that passes for wisdom is ultimately folly if it leads us away from God. Sometimes the roadmap that wisdom offers us is a counter to what God would have us do. One example in our culture is uh, the way that we treat money. You earn, you save, put a little away, you do as much as you can with your money, you collect it, you save it, you use it to gain more, and you live off of it when you're older. Those are very simplified terms of, of, of how money is put out there, but you get you save and you maintain your wealth so that you can use it later. For this is what God has us to. Jesus told us it is better to give than receive. Is he talking about money there? Yes, amongst other things. And this is counter to the day's wisdom that is offered us by many givers of financial wisdom. Even actually when I was planting, uh, uh, when I've been planting churches, the wisdom of all the church planting books that I had and people that I met with, they would say, as a church planter, don't give away money until like at least year three or five when you're financially stable. Make sure you have, uh, one guy said, make sure you have over $200,000 in the bank before you even start giving away money. And I'm like, 
It doesn't sound very biblical. It doesn't sound wise. It sounds wise in a way that, okay, at least you're protected. You're going to make it past a certain amount of time if you have all this money. But it doesn't sound wise in the ways of God's kingdom. And that's what I'm trying to say. The whole point of this text, I believe, is that the power of this world is great in its reach. It's great in its reach. There's a lot of things that money can do. There's a lot of things that leaders can do. There's a lot of things that kings and governments can do. But it is never as far-reaching as the power of God. It appears that governments and leaders, kings and kingdoms, can do what they want. And they do, right? We've seen this in our own world. And we have seen some do it with wisdom and care for their people. And some do it for just their own their own gain and their own um, uh, monopoly on what's going on. And it is wise to know this, that there is a king who is greater than any kingdom here on earth. And that his kingdom is greater. And I believe this is here for us to teach us that we as uh, Christ followers don't overestimate our own power or our own wisdom, or we don't rely too heavily on our leadership power and wisdom or our money's power and wisdom or our influences power and wisdom. But we come and we learn as Christ gave away all his earthly power. And as followers, we too get to turn the other cheek and walk the extra mile as he did. One, one reason why we rely on wisdom from others is especially those who appear successful is because they have a, a, a way of their life that they are certain this is the way it works. And we love certainty, don't we? We love just knowing what's next. And as followers of Jesus, we get to resist this craving for certainty. And have the humility to not know and yet seek him as we take the next step. Seek him for our ways and trust him for our means. And I don't think by any stretch this is an easy thing to do. This is why we need God's grace in our lives. If we look at the life of Christ, so much is counter to traditional wisdom. Take his death, for example. As Jesus went to the cross, he didn't even defend himself from the injustice that was being doled out to him. It says that he kept his mouth shut. He didn't reply to the questions. He didn't hire a lawyer to appeal his case or even call on any of his followers to come and just bring account before these people. He went to the cross, resolved that he would endure the cross to bring about our, and it was for his joy that he endured the cross to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven doesn't seem wise. It's just like, Jesus, speak up. I didn't do those things. Those things that you're accusing me of lies, that's a lie. He can point it out. He knows all these things. And yet, Jesus, in his wisdom, let this happen. He kept his mouth shut. And he is wiser than Solomon by far. Jesus told his disciples as they went out from him on one mission trip, he says, Hey, don't take food. Don't take two tunics, which is just clothes, right? Don't take two tunics. Don't take any money bags. Go to these cities, preach the kingdom of heaven, and rely on the generosity of others. Doesn't seem wise, does it? Like I know when we travel, we have a cooler full of food. We have extra clothes. We have 
make sure that we have gas money, make sure that we have places that we're going to stay. Uh, and we've had plenty of trips where we didn't know we were going to stay that night. And they're so unsettling and disastrous and trauma bonding for, and my family's like, yeah, I know which times you're talking about there. So uh, there have been like times when, um, uh, it doesn't seem wise not to take anything, does it? And yet trusting in God's provision is wiser than the wisdom that would say, take this or that reliance on God is ultimately wiser than anything else. After all, he is the one who has the power over life's breath and the day of death. In the, in the verse 8, it says, No man has the power to retain the spirit. That, the word spirit is ruah, which is life's breath, which is the idea of this life's breath. And no one has that but God alone. And when we follow Jesus, he is the one that we rely on. His life and his ways. And again, I don't think this is an easy task. Sometimes, if we, when we're honest and we're seeking Jesus and we're crying out to Jesus, we can't hear him. Or maybe he's, he, we don't understand what he's trying to tell us or where he's trying to lead us. Most of the time, the commercialized wisdom of this day is louder than the voice of Jesus in our lives. So then I come to this. How do we rely on Jesus? How do we rely on Jesus? How do we not overestimate our own power and ability or the power of ability of the things that we have or the leaders that we follow and how do we rely on God's power and uh, I don't have any answers I don't have many but I believe but because I believe the answers need to be lived out they're not trite they're not just well trust in the Lord he's good always that is so true That's what we need to do. But it's not easy in living out. Living out these things is the hardest part sometimes of a Christian's life. It's great to have theories and theology and knowledge, but having these things impact our life is a hugely difficult task, especially when we don't know what's going on, right? As we lean into uncertainty and humility, sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. doesn't matter how long you've had to do it for. It makes us uncomfortable at times. And here's what I believe this text, as well as the rest of Scripture, is asking us to do. To trust in God and His ways and endure in them. Endure in them. Again, I don't think these are easy tasks, but I do believe God's grace is big enough for the moments that we need in our lives where we need to rely on His grace. Over and over and over again, God is informing us that He has ultimate power. That's what this text is saying. He has ultimate power. That is limited, uh, uh, that earthly power is limited. His power is unlimited. He can make the sick well. He can make the lame walk. He can make the dead rise from death. He can change our own hearts and our own minds and our own lives. He created the ocean and all that is in it, even the stuff that we have yet to discover. The land and all its beauties and wonders he created this and he created space, which is my, one of my favorites because space never seems to end. It's always expanding as they send out new satellites and take new pictures and they've never found an end to it, which is a perfect metaphor for his goodness and grace to us. But we need to rely on it and trust in it that it's good enough for us. 
I've always loved 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2 says it this way. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. We get to rely on the gospel of grace. Jesus lived, died, and was raised again for the forgiveness of sins, yes, but also to lead us in the way of his kingdom, the resurrection life that we get to live out for him. He died to forgive us and to show us that there is another way and that we can rely on him. Even when things look bleak, we get to trust God and his goodness and then endure in our beliefs of his goodness and his grace. Endurance in our faith is a gift of grace from God, and we need it so desperately. It is not enough in our lives if we just believe in grace during good times and easy times, is it? Because during those hard times, we get to hold on to his grace, and sometimes it's easier than others. Jesus is going to be with us in good times and hard times as well. Jesus is going to give us wisdom, but Unfortunately for us, it's never in our timing, it's in his, but it's never too late. It's never too late. And I am one, I can stand as a witness. I know this, that God has never let me down. It is always, uh, it's, it's not always felt like this, but he has never failed to love me, to lead me. He's never failed to provide for me and my family. He has led me down paths that don't always seem wise to the ways of the world. And yet, as I have followed, his ways are far more beautiful than my own. Like most beautiful paths, it's not always easy trail to take. But we all get to endure and strive to trust God and his goodness because it knows no limits. I'm praying for us as a church individually and corporately, that we can set aside our own wisdom, that we can learn to live in the limitations that we have. And in those limitations, we can rely on Christ for not just some things, but for all things. I pray that we may never let go of God's goodness in our lives, that by his grace, we will endure and lean on God's great power in and for our lives. And may we trust and endure in our trusting. As we prepare for communion, I'm going to invite Mark to uh, play just some songs for a little bit. No, no singing quite yet. And as he is playing, I pray that we may just re-kind of like have a moment where we're just like, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. My power is limited and yet I want to walk in your ways and walk in your steps so let us set aside our need to do things our own way let us set aside our need to trust in our own strengths our own wisdom and place our trust in God's greatness so let us take a moment of silence as we do this